It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Restoring order to your financial chaos. Retirement, investing, taxes. You've got financial questions. He's got financial answers. It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Welcome to the Money Guy Show. I'm your host, Brian Preston, and um, just got back from vacation, was down in the Dominican Republic last week, um, left you guys with a show. So glad that um, y'all still tuned in with us and came back and, and have joined me, and I'm so glad to be back from vacation. You know, it's always good to go on vacation, but man, is it good to get back home as well. It's something about um, going and enjoying the beach, being out in the sun, reading a good book or two. Um, I, I'm one of those people, instead of reading the traditional book, Beach books, I always read a book on how I can better improve things um, around the office. I, I guess I'm a sadist and really enjoy just immersing myself in the business world as well as um, what I do for a living, which is financial planning. If you are just tuning in, you can go check out show notes for The Money Guy Show at money-guy.com. You can also write the show to give us some um, tips on things we can do to improve it, show ideas, or just general feedback. And you can write me at brian, that's B-R-I-A-N, at money-guy.com. What we're going to be talking about today, I think it's very appropriate. We just came through Father's Day. And... Um, it's coming through Father's Day. There's no better time for fathers uh, and parents alike to just kind of take inventory of what our responsibilities are to our children. You know, one of the things, especially about financial and being responsible um, parents that, that teach our and instill in our children that they, they need to be good stewards with their money as well. Because one of the things that I worry about, uh, I feel like half the reason that I, I have the the skill set that I have with money is that I grew up in a household where we didn't have a lot and um, the value of money was very important in my household. You know, my parents didn't waste much. I felt like I, I didn't feel like we were poor. Don't get me wrong. There was nothing I ever felt like we were left wanting more of. But I, I do know like when members only jackets were really cool. I didn't get a members only jacket. When Z Cavaricci pants were really back in high school. I didn't get any of those. When um, the jam shorts were big back when I was in, I think, middle school, if you remember those jam shorts that come down below the knee, I, I got the, the JCPenney um, store brand version of those. Um, we just, we didn't, I, get, I didn't get a lot of the name brand stuff, but I feel like I got a great education in the value of a dollar, and, and that translated well into a work ethic, too. And I just, you know, one of the things I worry about being a father, I have a daughter, is that um we I've had a, enough success that I hope that that she does not get the wrong idea about money, and, I, and I'm hoping you know that I can can spread uh, the kind of the knowledge, the training, the fundamentals of good financial management to her, so she doesn't make the mistakes that I've seen with some of my clients, as well as some of my friends. I mean, we all have friends that we 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 know that instead of being net savers and asset builders that they're consumers and will probably never build true financial independence. And what where's that line that helps you to determine what type of child you're going to raise? So that's what we're going to talk about today. What I did was I went out and I um, went and looked at several of um, my favorite you know, financial gurus that are out there. There's a local guy here that does um, a, a daily talk show as well. It's it's actually syndicated nationwide, but Clark Howard, you can go check him out at ClarkHoward.com. And then, of course, Dave Ramsey also gives guidance on how you should help um, your children think financially and be better people as they grow into becoming responsible people um, as they become adults with their finances. And then, of course, I've got my own tips. So this is what we're going to be focusing on today. 
is how to um, teaching your children about money. And, and what I thought was very, very interesting is, in, and it didn't do this on purpose, but I went out to Clark Howard's site first, and then I went to Dave Ramsey's site, and I was just shocked at how close, and I guess it's just generalized teaching on, on the way you need to kind of help your clients, I mean, your, 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 your children sort through their money. Uh, I did think it was very interesting. The first thing I saw on Clark Howard's site was, um, you know, you would think one of the topics that most parents are scared to death to talk to their kids about would probably be about the birds and the bees. Uh, I know that's the thing that I worry about having a young daughter in this society now where things just seem like they're a lot more open than they were even when I was growing up. And I consider myself a pretty young guy at 34, um, but I'm scared to death having a daughter. You would think that that would be the thing most parents are scared to death about talking to their children with. Well, I find out on the Clark Howard site, it, it was very interesting to me, it said that according to Teacher Talk magazine, that 30% of kids surveyed said their parents never discuss money issues with them. That shocked me. How can you raise your children and not talk about money? I mean, let's face it, something that we all have in common is is that we have to, have to use the tool of money in day-to-day life. I mean, there's not any day that you can walk through and not have some type of involvement with money. Um, the thing I thought was very interesting, this is the part that I was shedding that I that I was looking at I don't know why I said shedding but this is the thing that I noticed that was quite interesting that they had the exact same advice when I looked at Clark Howard's site as well as Dave Ramsey's was that Clark has what's called um, the three jar system um, he caught in the three car system is where parents set up jars with red yellow and green lids the green jar is for money that's available for spending so I guess green is you know go if you're thinking about it in the, the, the terms of the traffic lights. So green is go, so you can spend that money. Yellow jar, the yellow jar is for money being saved for something important in the future and meaningful. And then the red jar is for charitable giving. The idea of the red jar is that it's from the heart. Um, I thought that was very interesting because then you click over to, to Dave Ramsey's website, and he mentions that um, he uses the... Um, the three envelope system. Notice a trend here. We got the three jar system, now the three envelope system. And the three envelope system works this way on Dave's website. It says the savings envelope teaches children the importance of savings for future use. I tell my kids when they are very young that they must save money if they ever want to buy a car. The spending envelope It lets kids still be kids and enjoy the instant pleasures of buying toys and treats. There's nothing wrong with buying something fun as long as you've saved up the money for it. And then third, the giving envelope is a way to teach children that giving is a part of life. If you're in the church parking lot and hand your kids $2 to take to the children's church collection plate, the kid gets no spiritual blessing and does not understand. The child was just a courier bringing your money to the offering. So, there's kind of the take of two completely different guys, two financial gurus that are giving very similar advice, and I thought that was quite interesting. Another thing that I noticed um, on Dave Ramsey's website, some cool statistics that um, I thought was quite interesting, is he said that 19% of Americans between the ages of 18 and 24 declared bankruptcy in 2001, according to the USA Today. The fastest-growing group of bankruptcy filers are those people who are aged 25 years of age or younger. Talking about scaring you to death reading this stuff. And then over 80% of undergraduates have at least one credit card, and nearly 50% of college graduates carry four more credit cards, according to the Department of Education. And then the average balance carried by these students on these credit cards is more than $3,000. 
I, I cannot imagine what it would feel like to come out of school and be completely underwater. I mean, you've already got so many things facing you when you come out of college. You know, you've got the 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 curiosity about what the world holds for you, but then you've also got the fear of, hey, you're starting a brand new job. You're also starting where you're on your true own financial footing where you're going to have to support yourself and then to have to to carry this bag of debt this chain of debt that you built from college has got to be quite troubling so i you know one of the things that i learned when i was growing up is i was taught that credit cards were evil back when i was in college and that makes sense i mean because most most college kids don't exactly have a lot of positive cash flow income wise sure we all have jobs i was a bus driver in college um, you know, but and I made a little bit of money. Actually, it was one of the better paying jobs on campus. I made between seven and eight dollars an hour, which I thought was a lot of money back then. But while you're working in college, that's usually just covering you know expenses and other things. You're not actually coming out positive where you can start thinking about what to do with your money, whether it's savings or or buying cars or paying for rent or things like that. So you, you've got to recognize that you've got to be very careful. When, when you're in college, since you don't have positive cash flow, that you don't go out there and sign up for a gazillion credit cards and try to let your children know that they don't need to sign up for a ton of credit cards. And I know that's one of the things that seems like is a trend now. I know when I was in college, um, they, they'd give you a bag of potato chips if you'd sign up for a credit card, or they'd give you a brand new T-shirt or, or some other crazy gimmick to get you to sign up. And it's not uncommon now for, for college kids to have you know, between one and four credit cards, as you heard. And I don't know if that's necessary. I mean, if you don't really have income, why do you want to go load yourself up with a lot of credit card debt um, when you truly don't have the ability to pay it back and, and, and live financially responsible? So think about that, when, you know, for my younger listeners who are in the college ages, uh, about getting all those credit cards. It might not be the right step. And then if you have children who are getting quickly getting approaching the age of, of college age, um, try to encourage them to try to avoid the debt until they actually get out there and, and get in the workforce. I'm not anti-credit card by any means. I use them as a tool myself, especially the rebate cards, but I by no means want you to abuse credit cards. I'm one of those people, I think when you use credit cards, you should use them and then pay them off every month. If you're not doing that, um, you're, you're not using them effectively. You're trying to win the game. You're not actually trying to be um, a piece of the profit margin for, for the banks and the credit card companies out there. So let's talk about what my tips are for um, managing your children's money. You've heard about Clark Howard. You've heard Dave Ramsey. But my tips are is that you want to make sure that you, you're helping instilling your children the, the, the ability to budget, to, to, to spend, save, and be responsible, and even invest. You want to try to get them in the mindset of starting to thinking about investing. So the first question is, is when should you begin teaching them about money? And, and I thought it was very interesting. There's some research out there that says children as young as three can learn about money and its uses. The National PTA suggests that as soon as children can count, their financial education you know, can start out. So the next question after you, so if we know three is um, is is probably about the earliest, but three, four, five, somewhere in that range, um, when should you consider doing an allowance to really kind of tie them into the system to start thinking about money in the terms of their money? So the first thing that comes up is should you give them an allowance? An allowance can start as early as age three or four, as we mentioned, because that's where children start to understand the concept of what money is. But you've got to make sure you start it out before age 7. Um, I, I think that's a good time. is somewhere between that 4, 5, and 6 range to really get them going. I know my daughter is 4 years of age, 
and she is all into the money right now in a very healthy a you know in a fashion i don't i don't want you to think that when i say she's into the money she's in the negative aspect of it it's just that she she you know made me feel really good the other day she was like daddy i'd like to really fill up all of my piggy banks and for for a person like me who has an aptitude in money to hear your child Say, Daddy, I can't wait to fill up my piggy banks. I, I, I kind of, you know, my heart opened up and smiled a little bit because um, that meant maybe there might be a little bit of me um, within that, you know, her aptitude, her future aptitude on hopefully money m- managing money. So we'll see how that goes. But I think that probably getting into getting to your child around that four, five, or six age is a good time to start the allowance. And if you're trying to figure out how much to give them an allowance to get them thinking about money and thinking about their money. You know, a lot of people recommend doing about a dollar for every year of age. So if you've got a four-year-old, you could do a four-dollar a week allowance. But you could start them off even lower. Um, you know, you could start them off at fifty cents a year, and then wait to do the dramatic increases in their their allowance when they get to be teenagers. Um, what if your your children blow the money that you give them? Well, that's something. Even though you can be doing the three envelope, the three jar system where you're trying to encourage them to both save, spend, as well as give to charity, um, you have to be prepared if you set up an allowance and they blow through the money, they've got to learn from their mistakes. You just kind of have to grin and bear it and let them go through the process and learn that if they do blow through their money, there are consequences and they might might, might not be able to do everything that they want to do. Um, and, and that ties into the next thing is how can you tell, help them to learn to budget their money? And the biggest thing that they can learn there is if you give them money, their allowance payment is done on Friday, and they spend their money by Saturday, you need to hang tough and not give them any more money until the following week. And that that leads to my point that if you do set them up an allowance, try to make sure that you're setting them up and pay them every week at the exact time, you know, at the exact day. Pay them, you know, be consistent about paying them. Don't skip weeks. You want to try to really establish a system where you are being consistent about paying them an allowance for what they're doing. And um, if you're talking about chores, should they should they have to do chores around the house to, to, to get their allowance? That's really a personal judgment. I will tell you that I think that, that you should tell them that they are responsible for being a productive person around the house without counting on the allowance for everything, you know, that, that's kind of built in that if they help you mow the grass, help you with folding clothes, and they keep their rooms clean, that's kind of all built into the allowance. And the only times you go above and beyond paying them on the allowances maybe for, um, you know, if, you, if they wash the car, you know, raking some leaves, babysitting, that stuff is okay because you want to encourage them that the more work they do, the, the work that's above and beyond, that they can also get financial gain from that. I think you can you can encourage them for some other life-learning principles there that could help them out in later life too. But uh, getting back to um, how do you you set up a savings account, I'll tell you that the National PTA also recommends that you open up a savings account for your children, hopefully before um, or right around the age of eight years of age. You can open them up a, a savings account at the local bank, and then when that, that monthly account statement comes in and they earn some interest, you can show them how their money actually earned money um, without them having to use their hands, their back, and actually having to work. They let their money work for them, which is a very powerful concept that I think to convey to your children. And then the last concept is how do you transition them over to the investing? And I think once your children start saving um, and you've shown them the bank statements and shown them that their money has been growing, 
you can come back and then go to the investing concept and, and show them how they could – sure, they've made some money by with their savings account earning some interest, but there's a tremendous opportunity if they actually start investing the money. And that's where you can show them some mutual funds and then even share some of the guidance that I saw on Clark Howard's site that I thought was quite interesting. He, Clark Howard mentioned that if you have a teenager who starts saving at age 15 – and puts aside $2,000 a year for seven years, they will have $1 million at age 65. And that's assuming a return of only about 8%, which is quite, I think, quite you know conservative. That's very doable to make 8% a year, um, especially for a 15-year-old who has a very long time horizon before they need to pull that money out. And, it shows, and he goes on to say, most financial models show that your money doubles in value every nine years. And you think about the power... If you've got a child that's doing, um, you know, saving, say they're only saving $1,000, you know, they, they, they work fast food or work some other job, you know, when they're 15, 16 years of age, maybe you can even encourage the saving by, by setting up, uh, you know, a parent matching program where if they are working, that you, whatever they contribute to their, their savings account to go and get invested in mutual funds, you will match it, you know, 50 cents on the dollar, dollar for dollar, whatever you can afford personally. Um, and maybe you can even, if they have earned income because they're working that fast food job or they're babysitting or doing whatever they have to do, open up a Roth IRA. Imagine if you could do exactly what Clark Howard said, and you could put $2,000 a, a year away for seven years into a Roth IRA, and then your child is going to retire with a million dollars. Now, I know a million dollars when they retire is not going to be what a million dollars is for us, but that's still a tremendous, tremendous head start that could be really help kickstart them into the value of becoming financially independent. Because i got to tell you, as I've mentioned in many, many podcasts, saving money is a very addictive habit. It is a, it's, a, it's a habit, but it's a very positive habit. You don't ever hear anybody talk about the addiction of, of building wealth and saving money, but it is an addiction, but it's a positive addiction. The reason you don't hear people talk about it is because the people who get addicted to saving money are usually the ones that become financially independent. They become, you know, the, the people who can can travel, can do the things that they've always dreamed of. And I want you to hopefully be able to to instill that habit um, into your into your children. It's a great habit for them to have is the, the habit of saving money. Now, before I close the show, two non-financial things that I wanted to mention is as y'all probably saw on the website at money-guy.com. We were recognized last week. Um, for having won in first place. We did win first place in um, the study by the Kahuna content. Um, it, we won first place for uh, the study of American Financial Planner blogs, and we did out, out of the 30 to 35 blogs that they went out there and reviewed that were put on by financial planners. We did win first place, so I was pretty excited about that. I think that's pretty cool. We got a plaque and some research reports and some other data. We even got a, like a something we could put on the website. I don't know if that's going to happen. But um, pretty cool to get some recognition because, remember, we started this show just kind of level the playing field, get some free information out there um, to, to you guys so that you've, you could get some truly objective advice that doesn't have commissions, fees, and all these other things. Nobody's trying to sell you anything. Um, you could come talk to us, and um, we, you could come here weekly, and we could teach you some financial concepts to hopefully build you on that road to financial independence. Another thing is um, over the weekend, Friday to be exact, when I came back from town, 
uh, I saw that um, Tim Russert had passed away, and um, you know, and I, and I don't talk about politics on the Money Guy Show because I know our place. Our place is dealing with financial um, independence and financial planning topics and personal finance. So I, I try to avoid politics at all costs. But I, I don't think there's anything wrong with mentioning um, one of my favorite books out there. I even gave it as a gift. Me and my family gave it as a gift to several of our friends was the book that Tim Russert came out with. I think he came out with it back in around 2004 called Big Russ and Me. And um, I was I was really saddened when I heard that Tim Russert had passed away because I felt like he was um, a, a truly objective voice. I mean, he hit everybody pretty hard, but one of the things that really – um, was very profound to me was his re- was his relationship with his father Big Russ, and I thought that the book when that came out was just such an incredible incredible thing to be able to put down to paper, and um, have re- you know what your relationship is with your father so your father can hear, because you know as many of you probably are aware I lost my father back in 2000 he passed away due to leukemia it kind of came on real suddenly. And I had one of those relationships, and you know that where I, I did talk to my father every day, and then and to hear the content that that Tim Russert had in this book of Big Russ and Me has got to be so you know it, it's just sad that Tim's gone, but I got to tell you it's got to comfort the family a little bit that he got so much of his love and how he felt about everybody, including his father, um, through through you know his writings. I, I think that's tremendous, and that probably puts a lot of uh, you know, I know they're in pain, but it probably helps out. But I, I just want to throw that out there because, you know, it is, you know, it hits us all when, when you lose a big public figure like that. But I think, you know, I'd be amiss if I didn't tell you guys how much I thought about Big Russ and me um, and, and how good it is. And if you want to go check that out for your family, since it, it was Father's Day last weekend, it kind of, the, the timing of all that kind of just seemed very fitting. So I hope you guys had a great Father's Day. I hope you've gotten something, um, some of this content about how you can teach your children to be financially independent. And let's get to work. Let's let's create that next generation of doers and not consumers. We want to build it. We want our children to be the people that are going to climb upon our shoulders and hopefully build their assets, take the assets that, you know, the, the knowledge that we've instilled in them and they become asset builders and, and create some type of financial independence for themselves. And I think the whole country will be a better place if we can all work on the next generation and making them financially literate and on the pathway to becoming, um, you know, financial thinkers and financially literate to the point of becoming financially independent. So I'm your host of The Money Guy Show, Brian Preston. Until next week, check us out on the website, money guy. Talk to you in about a week. The Money Guy podcast is hosted by Brian Preston, and Brian Preston is a partner with Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management. Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with securities laws and regulations. Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Money Guy podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.